Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Here's Dickow from the deep corner of the break. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's on now. Downtown Dan connects. Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. I mean, I've seen Dan Dickow hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> I got to salute you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school trying to mimic all your moves. Welcome to another episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow, for SB Live Sports conversations with experts, whether it's at the high school, college, professional level in many different sports, but typically focused on the sport of basketball, my passion, my love. Today's guest, someone who I met for the first time, I don't know if he remembers this, at the Final Four in Atlanta in 2002. We met each other a couple, about a month later or so. Uh, I was working with him on a daily basis uh, for the NBA draft that was upcoming. Steve Pratt out of the Chicago area. Steve, it's been a while, bud. How are you? I'm good, Dan. Uh, you know what? I I totally spaced that, that we met at the Final Four there. That was, uh, wow. That's crazy. That brings me back. That brings you know, me that's back. That's one of the that- things. I know we're going to talk about a lot of different you know, philosophies and and accomplishments that you've had as a coach and as a trainer. But I think one of the things that that I remember from talking with you for that first time in Atlanta and, and Tommy Lloyd, who's now the head coach at Arizona, was who I went to that restaurant bar with that night. Uh, and we crossed paths and, and lo and behold, 20 some years later, we're, we're still friends. But uh, your passion for the game and your looking at details of the game is something that that's stuck me that night is like wow he loves the game he knows the game where did that passion for basketball come from you know um I had a I had a different path I grew up you know my mom raised five boys on her own basically and uh, I had a rough go and football was always my passion and I just love football studied football but I also was I was not a I wasn't an honor roll student, you know, I, I had, I, I took a different path and, uh, and God, I think has always had his hand on my life. And if you look at it, it's pretty incredible, but football was my passion and it wasn't going to work out. I just, I realized that it just wasn't going to work out. And, uh, so then I said, well, you know, I'll, I'll play college basketball. And I told my guidance counselor that, and he started laughing at me. So my hometown in Bennington, Vermont, we had a great coach there named Dave Fredrickson. And I never played in this program, but he always let me around. He was always really kind to me. And I played pickup uh, basketball, but never really on a team. I was never very good. But when I decided that I was going to be a basketball player, I just started training by myself. I didn't know any, have any idea what I was doing. And I found a college that would take a student with a D plus average, uh, which I was, I worked really hard to be in the bottom 10 of my, uh, graduating class um and they had a bad basketball team i knew that i could go 
so I show up at Johnson State College, uh, where I had, uh, you know, was able to study us up in northern Vermont. Um, and I immediately got cut for the team. And but I worked hard. And the coach said, well, you can keep I asked if I could keep coming to practice. He said, yeah, you know, and midway through the year, some guys flunked off and he put me on the team. And I just kept training and training and training and studying um, and finding good coaches. I, I mean, I was aggressively. I would hitch 50 miles to play pickup. You know, so when you can hitchhike, I would hitchhike 50 miles to find a pick. Because in Vermont, small towns, there's no, there's nobody to play with. So you got to find what places to go play. And I'm being poor. I didn't have any money. I didn't have a car. So I'd hitchhike up to Rutland, which is 50 miles away, play pickup on Saturday afternoon. And then you got to get out of there early enough so there's daylight to get home. Um, and I just pursued it like that. That was just my passion. You know, I found a camp that would take somebody that was 19 years old in New Jersey. Um, and I went there and trained with a guy named Kenny Webb, uh, who played at Fairleigh Dickinson. He played for a, a man named Al Lubalbo, who was like a defensive wizard. And, and Kenny really was like my first mentor. And then that camp hired me to work. And I'd worked at camp every summer while I was in college. Then I worked at Don Nelson Satch Sanders camp. And I would just work camps and train and just work and work and ask questions. And somebody said, Hey, that guy's a good coach. I'd go talk to him and try to learn. Um, and I just have stayed with that as, as I became a trainer, as I became a player, I was also training other athletes with me because you can't play basketball by yourself. So I recruited a guy named Joe Hahn who's worked with Kyrie Irving now and he's worked with Kyle Anderson out of the North Jersey area, but he was in near my hometown and we studied the game together. So he's still one of my very dear close friends and he's a basketball trainer out of the North Jersey area. Oh. When you're in that early stages of, of going from wanting to be a, a player on a team to being a player on a team to knowing, Hey, your passion is starting to become coaching and training players. What, what was that like when uh, you're really trying to do something, which at the time being a quote basketball trainer wasn't a normal thing. It's become no. like everybody's got a guy now. There were multiple yeah, exactly. guys as trainers. You were one of the first that I know of um, that was kind of doing this as your passion, as your job. Yeah, no, it's that's an interesting story. Uh, a man named Dick Harder, who was a famous defensive coach in the NBA, he worked with Pat Riley. Um, with the Knicks. Um, he worked with Larry Bird with the Pacers. He was Oregon coach, actually, out in your the great Northwest, as you always would tell me. The Kamikaze uh, kids. Yeah. He uh, he was a yeah, he he had a vacation home in Vermont. My buddy said, hey, you need to meet this guy. So I went to meet him and he was gracious enough to have lunch with me. And so we met uh, in Lindenville, Vermont. I drove up there. He He met me there and I, I said, Hey, listen, I want to become a, you know, I want to become a, a basketball trainer for NBA players. And uh, he, he's like, what, what is that? I mean, what do you do skill development? And he started laughing at me. And so here I'm telling him about my dream job and he's laughing at me. And he's like, well, Steve, when I was in college, we called those graduate assistants. <laughs> so, you know, I was like, you know, so I just, you know, I was learning how to play while I was learning how to teach and coach. I was still learning how to play, you know, and that's been a great lesson for me. But by learning the game later, I still am a student of the game. Like what Steph Curry has done is stretch my mind as a trainer. It's like 
it's made me a better trainer. And then, you know, I look for patterns of movement. You look at Luka Doncic now, you know, and you look at how he can use his body and how he changes speeds. It's amazing. Like, I mean, there's never, and, and I think it's because there's so many trainers. There's just so many good players now. Like, it's amazing. I watched NBA Summer League this year. I was like, like, these guys aren't all making a team. And they're good. Like, yeah. They're six, eight, and they're skilled, and they're not going to make a team. It's amazing. So, yeah, I, w- I was before all this. <laughs> so with, with a lot of the trainers, though, unfortunately, they don't understand the team concept of basketball. And I'm not – uh, throwing any trainers under the bus in any way, shape, or form. But the best ones are able to understand the framework of skill development within a team concept, and then the t- the top tier actually tailor it towards their particular team, whether it be the high school, college, or the professional level. What have you seen that's successful to help you take skill training into a team aspect? That, that, that's a great, great point, actually, because I, I said this the other day. I said, I said to you about the players being so much better. And they're like, but the basketball's not better. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's true because the players are developing these skills. It's like they're given a car and they're showed how to step on the gas, but then they don't know how to drive the car. And so that's a very good point. It's a funny story, and it's actually related to the Seattle Storm. I train a young lady called Jewel Lloyd. And I've had her, she's been in my club since she was like eight years old. She just came back from the Olympics. But in 2018, she brought me out to work with her before the playoffs when they went on to win the championship. And so I'm doing some skill work with her in the gym before practice. And, and Dan Hughes comes in and doesn't know who I am. And he gets concerned. He calls Jewel over, hey, who's, you know, because it's right before the playoffs. You got some stranger guy working with one of your star players. Like, I get it. And he, he came over to, you know, introduce himself. And I said, coach, uh, what you need to understand, I'm not a trainer. I'm a coach. I'm a coach that trains players, but you don't have to worry. Like I'm coaching her to play for you. And that's how I approach training. Like you first, you want to teach the player to become an independent learner. Cause I, to me, basketball is a great game where it's always like, it's always evolving. You got to be studying it all the time. If you go in fixed, well, the other coaches probably know what they're doing too. And they're probably going to take things away. And so you got to be, it's a game of adjustments as a player and as a team and as a coach, like you got to have communication patterns. You got to have prepared to change things up. You got to be able to make reads. Um, it's funny because I was watching Jewel last night. She scored 30 points a game, like three games, you know, averaging 30 for three games. And they played the mystics last night. And all of a sudden they're denying her the ball. You know, and that changes like they, they change how they're playing her. So now she's got to make adjustments. You know, you mentioned you mentioned Jewel so. Lloyd, and obviously I can tell. Um, you know, she's a big part of you're a big part of her uh, playing career. You trained her from from a early age. How much pride do you have seeing her play in the Olympics and represent the USA? Well. What, what makes it like even more incredible is the type of person she is. And, and Dan, it's one of the things that I really loved about you when I first started training you, you would always talk about Gonzaga and your team and how you loved your team, which for a guy that likes to shoot a lot, they don't always make that connection with their team. I was always impressed with that. Like you were a scorer, but you also understood the relationship with the other guys and Jewel, she gets that in aces like over COVID 
she was training with our kids. I have numerous photos of her training like eight-year-olds and having conversations about their jump shot. And, and that's just who she is. I've heard stories I hear over and over random where she'll run into some kid in the gym and she just helps them. And that's, and she, I don't, it's like multiple times. She says, Hey, I need you to talk to this person. They need, they need some advice. I'm like, Jewel, I don't know them. She goes, Oh no, just, just t- here, take the column and talk to them. I'm like, and you know, you do it for her because she's that type of person. So I take, you know, enormous pride in, in not just her uh, accomplishments, but her struggle too. Like becoming good is like, there's, there's struggle. You're going to become a good player. As you well know, it's a fight, man. It's a fight. So like with any of you guys, I'm so proud. I mean, I'll never forget how you went to the Dallas Mavericks training camp and they had 15 signed contracts. There's no chance for you to make the team. And Dell Harris telling you, Hey, I didn't know you were this good. And, and you forced them to keep you. I'll never forget that. Like, that's incredible. I'm proud of that. Like, I'm proud of you, you know, so I take pride, in, you know, that I get to share the journey with all you guys, you know. I think that's a great point that a lot of people don't realize how hard the struggle is to be not just good, but great at something. You know, people see the finished product uh, on TV or when they when they go to an NBA or a college game, but they don't see the the countless hours and the frustrations in a gym when, when they're working on a footwork piece or they're, they're learning an, a, a new finish or, or they're, they're having a coach talk to them about angles on entry passes or, or pick and roll setups. Um, you as a coach and the owner of Full Package Athletics just out of Chicago, you kind of run the gamut of working with people from the very early stages of youth basketball up to that Olympic level. Is there a certain age that you love working with because many times you see that light bulb go off and you see their game grow maybe quicker than at other stages of a career um i mean i like it all i I like helping a coach like helping a coach understand or 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 get in a struggle with a coach on how they fix their team or culture um but like for me the best age for me is sixth seventh and eighth grade because i think they're going from being a kid to a teenager to start to think more mature. Um, and they still are not too distracted. And so it's an opportunity to help them develop some, like some tracks in life, like a roadmap of how to become a player and, and how to be a great teammate. Um, and so that age group there, I just think you can really impact a kid in the, that 12, 13, 14 years old. You can have such a huge impact. But I, I mean, I enjoy working at all levels, but that's probably like if I'm going to work with a team to get a team ready. Um, so I just think it's life. It's such a huge impact you can have on their lives. So sure. that's, you know, at, beyond basketball, that's the age group I like to work with. Uh, you also made, made a comment about uh, being involved with coaches and kind of giving them some, some thoughts and, and some pointers. You now, as you have had a ton of success training players and, and coaching yourself, um, you won a state title in Vermont as a coach. You won uh, numerous regional and conference titles as a junior college coach. What is it about mentoring coaches now um, that fills you up? Well, I mean, I'm studying the game now, too. The game's changed, evolving, and people are evolving, cultures evolving. And- you know, there's just so much to learn. So I'm a student 
I try to be a student all the time, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm always trying to look and like the Japanese women in the, uh, they made it to the Olympic gold medal game. I mean, their pace of play and playing with small players and being creative and how they prepared. I mean, to me, it was just like a classroom. I was just learning the whole time. And then you look at how the U S had to beat them and how they had to focus and, and be disciplined. Um, to pound the ball inside and not just run around and jack up shots. It was an amazing like lesson or Miami heat last year when Jimmy Butler would start a drive and then he'd turn it into a post-up. I was like, that's fascinating. Like I started thinking about how can I teach that? So I'm always like studying. And that's why I love the NBA playoffs because no matter how bad and this year was, it was really bad basketball to start. There was really like the ball movement was bad overall in the NBA playoffs, but then it got better and better and better. And then, so it was fascinating to watch, you know, like, and I always think the NBA players are like that, like the team that gets together and plays the best team basketball wins. And that's what it, you had two great teams in Phoenix and Milwaukee. And they were, and it was like, it was a chess match. It was a fight. It was, and it was fast paced and it was, it was awesome. And that's what I love about the NBA. I, I just think the coaching is so good at that level. People will argue, well, you know, you know, FIBA basketball, I'm like, they play one game a week. They practice five times a week. I mean, the NBA is on a plane a hundred times a year. Like, and you watch the NBA playoffs when those teams, like when San Antonio or any of those teams, they start playing good basketball. They're moving the ball. They're coordinated in their off ball movement. It's phenomenal. So to me, I'm just a student of it always. And then I just share being a, it's more like I'm a classmate with other coaches and we study the game together. That's how I treat it. Yeah. While growing up in in the Upper Northeast, uh, I would imagine you were a Celtics fan. Correct me if I'm wrong. You were a Celtics no, fan, and if I, so, no. who did you watch growing up? No, I was a Lakers fan. I How were you that. a Lakers fan living in Vermont? Because, like, when I was a kid, I read these like the little cards used to get on sports teams, and I read about the Lakers winning 33 games in a row, like in elementary school. And so then I said, "Oh, I'm going to be a Lakers fan." And everybody else was Celtics fans. And then well, one of my buddies was a Sixer fan too. So we had these fights in our neighborhood all the time, arguments. But I mean, it was such a magical time when Larry Bird versus Magic Johnson, because both those guys were great passers. And so you're watching great passing teams go at each other. It was amazing. It was just amazing time. Amazing, amazing times. Yeah. But Magic was always, I was always a point guard. I always wanted to play like Magic, throw behind the back passes, smile. You know, he's the guy who's just infectious. Yeah. You've, with the, your time at Full Package, uh, over 75 players in your program have, have gone on to Division One scholarships. You've had hundreds playing college at different levels. You've helped prepare players for the NBA draft, um, and myself included. What separates good from great and great to the elite um, when, when you're looking at a player? Um, it, it's hard. As you know, Dan, it's hard. I mean, good is the enemy of great. And so kids that are become good at a young age and they're getting, um, a lot of people are trying to recruit them. And so they're not getting critiqued and they're not getting coached hard. Well, you're not going to play for me without getting coached hard. Like I believe in reality therapy, I believe, you know, but a lot of kids that get talent, and I think it's the same as like a rock star or it's the same with like in the movies, the child actor, like that becomes poisonous. 
you know, if you don't have balance, you don't have humility and you're not learning hard work, if things come to you too easily and people are babying you, it's hard to develop that grind, you know? And Dan, like, there's one thing for sure. I'm, you were not babied when you were growing up. I guarantee it. Just from knowing you, you learned how to work and to fight and compete. And I just think a lot of kids, when they show talent, a lot of those obstacles get pulled out of their way and it's hard. It's hard to then refocus and, and to get that grind. You know, I, I think Kobe Bryant, I saw something Kobe Bryant played in the league in Philadelphia, like when he was a seventh grader in the summer and didn't score for the whole season. He didn't score a basket. So it tells you about his makeup and it tells you about how his dad did a good job encouraging him. And, and to me, we've learned more from Kobe Bryant failing by his failure. Like he put it out there that he wanted to be better than Michael Jordan. And he didn't reach his goal. He just didn't do it. But he was awesome in pursuing it. And it was such a great lesson for all of us on hard work, you know. So. Yeah, no, I love that. Good is enemy of the great because, you know, I, I do some training of, of kids here in Spokane running some uh, skill sessions and clinics. And you can see the kids that have potential that really kind of, you know, work through challenges and then other kids that get it early and then just kind of float the next couple of years and don't tap their potential. Um, and, and so I, I love that comment. As you've kind of progressed through different phases of your coaching career, you know, with full package, with high school, college training, um, what is what are your true aspirations now as a coach? Is there something that you want to be involved with um, moving forward? Um, well, I just want to keep getting better. Um, I always, I love helping people. Uh, I'm, I'm a Christian, uh, I'm, and I'm a wretched sinner at the same time. And, um, I need Jesus. And, um, and I think to give back to others and this game has been way, way better to me than I've been to it. So I want to give back to the game. I want to protect the game. I want to, you know, I'm a fan. You know, I have a love affair with basketball. It's just such a great tool for me internally. Um, and then it's such a great platform for me to build relationally, build relationships. So I just want to be a, a you know, a protector of the game. And, and it's a wonderful, wonderful game. It forces you to have humility. It forces you to be unselfish. Um, it forces it. You cannot win at basketball unless you become unselfish. You just can't, you got, you got to surrender to the team and, and all the great players have had to do it to win. And, and I, I love that about the game. I love it. I think that's, it's a forcing function to be a good teammate if you want to win. So yeah, I just, just uh, give back, you know, give back where I can and study the game, be true to it, you know? Well, Steve, great times. I appreciate uh, you joining me on the ISO. I love hearing some more of the stories uh, that I didn't know about you and your coaching path and your career. Um, but I also love how you finish it off of wanting to give back to the game and being grateful for everything that the game has given you. So appreciate it, bud. Great, great to reconnect and uh, yep. enjoy fall leading into basketball season when things get busy again. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm hoping to make a trip out to, uh, to Portland. So hopefully we can reconnect and I'm going to be going to Seattle in uh before the playoffs and going out to see jules so maybe we can reconnect when i'm out there i'd love to so thanks again and take care steve all right all right take care Bye bye
The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.